Hello, this is Janice Alpert and welcome to On Purpose, a podcast where we interview people who found their purpose or certainly are working on it to share their stories. Um, as always, we try to find interesting and insightful and uh, inspirational guests. Today is no different. Today we have Ariel Kopak. Hi, Ariel. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well, Janice. Thank you. Thank Good. You. Oh, thank you so much. Um, as most anyone who's listened knows that I don't, I learn a little bit about the person ahead of time, but very little because I like it to kind of be like an organic conversation. So why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit. I don't even know where you live or where you're from. Why don't you <laughs> tell me a little bit about yourself and where you grew up? Well, I live in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, that's I, far. I just moved to Pewaukee this weekend, so there I don't are know boxes what, behind me. Oh my goodness, I don't even know where. I maybe Noah, no, my producer Noah, do do you know where Pewaukee is? Yeah, I just actually was at a park and ride there of all places to get to Milwaukee. It's not far uh-huh. from Milwaukee, right? Just outside of Milwaukee. Oh, that's funny. So you're like an hour from me. That's uh, funny. Where where did you move from? Well, I moved from Wauwatosa, another suburb of Milwaukee. Uh-huh. And uh love Wisconsin. I consider myself from Wisconsin. I was born in Indiana, but oh. Wisconsin when I was young. So Okay, uh, so you're a, a Midwestern girl, a girl after my own heart. I am okay. a, a Midwestern girl. In fact, I did move to California for four years. Oh. When I moved there, I said, I am going to move back, though, because I'm a Midwestern girl at heart. Uh <laughs> It always freaks me out when I say the exact words that the person was thinking. Um, I happen to love California. My son and granddaughter live there and I love it there because I like the weather. But that being said, not living there, um, though, I think it's beautiful and wonderful. It just has like a little different. And I love California, but I I just can't see myself. Well, so I shouldn't say that. Well, I can't see myself living there because my life, my life is here. What were you doing? Well, let's let's just go back. Um, What was your family life in Indiana and what brought you ultimately to Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. So uh, born in Indiana, my mom got remarried. We moved to Wisconsin. Uh, my parents have a neat story of meeting one night in Kokomo, Indiana, because my dad was uh, sorry, but it's confusing. My dad is my dad who adopted me. OK, um, that we moved to Wisconsin. So they got married and uh, he was a semi pro football coach. And that was how they met. Wow. Well, is your mom into sports or no? But her friend, husband played for the opposing team and they all met and uh, they dated long distance between Indiana and Wisconsin for three years. Wow. See, I just love the law of the universe. If you're supposed to be together, it is going to happen. Exactly. So that's a great story. So I'm um, married for 20 years now. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I love that. I love that. L- l- I'm in this. My actually 20th anniversary is Thursday. Um, second marriage. Yeah. yeah. So you just and, and people know the story, but, you know, I just Still love it anyways, because you never know, because my mother fixed me up with a good friend, with a good friend of hers, who's my husband's aunt, who I've known for my whole life. And I think to myself, because we went on a family vacation 50 years ago or longer, 60 years ago when I was younger, about kid. And we met this other family from Chicago. We lived on the south side, we lived on the north side. And my parents remained friends for all these years. Then all of a sudden, my mother, 21 years ago, says, I think I'm going to fix you up with Vera's you know, nephew. And I'm going... I know who Vera is, but I'm thinking, really, are we? And then I went, okay, and here we are. So um, I feel like that vacation from 60 years ago was a setup so that 60 years later, when it was time for me, or 50 years later, when I was 50, I was 50 when I met my husband, when I was supposed to meet husband number two, it would all be set up. Um, and of course, I also was open to it. You do have to be open to those things. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you've been in Wisconsin basically your whole life other than those four. What, what, what did you do during the four years in California? 
I went out there for work. So I was recruited away from my corporate job in Mm -hmm. Milwaukee to go out to Newport Beach, California and be in a smaller firm and have a little bit more of that entrepreneurial-like experience. I wasn't an entrepreneur at the time. Okay. But it's a smaller firm, so kind of Mm -hmm. outside of corporate experience. And just training and developing. Absolutely. I was training and developing financial advisors out there. Okay. All right. Just have to say as as a sidebar, my son and daughter, my granddaughter live about 15 minutes. They live in the Dana Point, Laguna Beach area. So um, it's really beautiful there. So yeah, but that's, to me, I don't know if I was there for four years, that I could come back to the winter. So, but that's a sidebar. All right. So before, how did you get, like, did you go to high school, college in Wisconsin or? I did go to college in Wisconsin, high school and college in Wisconsin. Yes. And so I went to a smaller college and then just outside of the city, got an internship in the city and then went full time with that company and got to very different experience, project management, disability claims analyst, and uh, met the managing partner for one of the firms of the company in California. He and I met ah. randomly in line at Starbucks, had a conversation. Uh, long story short, a year later, I'm moving to Newport Beach, California uh, to work for him. So, but, but so. see, again, cool. I love that. All right. So let's just go back. So, so growing up, are, are you an only child or are there any, do you have any siblings or? I do. I have a brother who I am close with who lives in Janesville, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And um, I have two nieces. Uh, they're a joy. And um, complicated family tree outside of that. You can imagine remarriages and everything. Uh, oh, I can because I'm in one. So I, <laughs> of course I understand. Totally. I get it. I, I mean, I love them, but it's still complicated. It's just how it, just how it is. All right. So when you, when you went, like when you were going to college, were you thinking I'm going to go into corporate America? Or what was kind of your... Like growing up, did you have like a thought inside? This is what I want to do for my life. What what was kind of going on inside? In high school and college, as most do, explored all potential types of avenues. Thought about politics, medical, thought a lot about medical, uh, business, oh. uh, psychology, all the different aspects. Okay. And I, I really kind of ended up going where I led. And it was a lot more of doors closing saying, oh, okay, no, maybe not this. I In high school, I did seriously consider becoming a doctor and my chemistry really? major wanted me to become a doctor. And so I went to a forum and learned all about that. And I had, I was able to shadow a pediatrician. Oh, wow. Experience. Got to go into a lab of cadavers. Uh, got to watch a live brain surgery. To watch Grey's Anatomy. They're always doing <laughs> cadavers on Grey's Anatomy. But you were actually in the yeah, the old half an eyeball and touch oh intestines and all kinds of things. Sorry for those who are grossed out by that. God, oh, but <laughs> but you found it interesting and fascinating. I did. I okay. Did. Uh, with that said, I remember being at the end of the forum and th- and shadowing the pediatrician, pediatrician, saying, "I could do this. I could do this every day for the rest of my life." Okay. Then I thought about the timeline, and mm-hmm. it really did not align with the life I wanted to create. And okay. I thought about the sacrifice and I thought about an amazing sacrifice, just not yes. what I was willing to make. Okay. So I, in that, at that time, decided that was not my path, mm-hmm. path I could enjoy. It was not the path that I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. And so then I ended up pursuing going into business. My dad is a successful business owner and I love talking with him about business and learning okay. from him. So I went into business not knowing where that was going to take me and mm-hmm. the internship 
showed up. I read the email, sounded intriguing. I thought, why not? This sounds good. Yeah. Applied and followed the path where it led. Okay. And and so I find that so interesting. So because part of what we talk a lot about here is that, you know, we I encourage everyone that they if they're, they're going to um, listen to their heart and soul, that's probably going to lead them to their purpose. But you also have to listen to that. You also are a human being. So because I had my brother was a doctor, my son is a doctor. I know the sacrifice that goes along with in terms of time, commitment. Oh, my goodness. You know, just the your t- even after you're practicing, your time is, you know, there's so much that goes on with that. And my brother was a pediatrician, which um, so, uh, yeah, it's a lot of sacrifice. And even if you love it, you also have to have the know yourself well enough to know that do I have the temperament? I I've often sh- I think I've shared the story a couple of times on this podcast of when I turned 40, um, I decided that I needed, a, I had a master's degree. I decided I needed a PhD. Why? I don't know. I decided that I should have a doctorate because then I, my practice would even get bigger and I would even be more respected. So I, at the point, that time I had two young kids and was divorced and I thought, but I can do this. And I remember calling the one school that had an opening because I decided this like in a month period that I think I'm going to start in, in August. This was July and I remember driving all the way down into the city from the suburbs, which is about a 45 minute drive to sign up because at those times, that's how you had to sign up in person. And I remember thinking, do I want to write all those papers? Do I want to sit in all these classes? Do I want to do another internship? And my answer was no, that there really was not. I didn't feel I could do that and still be a good mom and do all the other things I wanted to do. And I turned all the way around and called the school and said, thank you for holding that slot, but I'm not going to do it. And no regrets. I feel my career has gone very well for the last, that I was 40 and I'm in the set, the last 30, everything is good. And I'm really happy I made that decision because I don't think I could have done it. Even though it would have been interesting and all the things I thought, and maybe more prestigious, it just, it just wasn't right. And so I, I think that's important to know that you can have a passion of something or think you want to do something, but you have to take into consideration, I think, who you are and would that work? So you were able to do that. You were able to say the amount of time, energy, money, all of it is not for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, yes. I also think that some of it's listening to your intuition. And yes. that's been a development for me. It's not uh, something that I used to say by any means. It did take a little bit to just embrace that sometimes my, my gut saying no and I don't know why. Right. And I'm going to listen to it. Exactly. You know, to me, and the gut is so, real, so interconnected to like our soul and our higher voice, whatever you want to call it, is trying to give us like, you know, hello, get our attention. And then our head or, you know, ego talk, whatever you want to call it, gets in the way and goes, no, 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 don't listen to that. <laughs> and that's where I think we get in trouble. All right. So you, you at this juncture, though, you did listen to your kind of inner voice. And were, was your family like, when you were obviously doing all this, like going to cadavers and and you're in and shadowing the pediatrician, when you told them like, no, just don't think following being a doctor is for me, were they, how did they, how did family, friend, whatever, how did they handle it? How did they respond? I'm very grateful to say I've always had very supportive parents. That helps. Who, yes, it helps a ton. Who were confident that I would be successful in whatever I chose to do. And it didn't matter to them very much what that. I love that because that to me is often, you know, a stumbling block where I've had 
you know, clients over the year were literally, uh, I remember having a father saying to his kid who graduated like from Harvard and didn't take the job that he thought was the best for her, saying to her, you've just ruined your career at 22 years old. Now, how could you ruin your career? Even if that job doesn't work out, I don't think your career is ruined when you got all A's, graduated cum laude, and it may not be what, it may not be the perfect job. We don't know, but then you'll get another job or you'll figure it out. But I don't think your life or your career is ruined. So to have parents that are like, whatever path you take, I'm, I believe in you and I support you. How wonderful is that? So how quickly, like once you said no to yourself, like you heard your inner voice going, no, medicine is not for me. How quickly do you think you were able to kind of pivot to maybe business is going to be my path or something in that vein? To some extent, I think that it was what was left. Oh, OK. All right. Some, <laughs> hey, sometimes that happens. OK. It's a matter of no, no, no. And then the big unknown. The piece with business, though, was it's so broad uh-huh. that nearly any passion I might pursue or anything that I want to be involved in or learn more about I can be on the business side of it. So, okay. I still thought at that point I wanted to go into the medical field. Oh, I just thought maybe the business side of it. Okay. Exploring the pharmaceuticals, the medical device sales, the right, the healthcare administration. The yeah, the healthcare. Yeah, they all do well and that's still fulfilling. Yeah. So, I was keeping that door open. Okay. I went with a broad business approach and then took a chemistry minor just to I'll continue the development there. Okay. And then I ended up not in medical field at all. All right. So this internship that you ended up, you were saying you just got an email from from this from the guy from Starbucks, or was that later? Wait, help me. <laughs> okay. What's the timeline? Oh, absolutely. So the director of internships at my college was fantastic. Oh, okay. He would send out emails with the internships that were available. I saw this one come up that looked intriguing to me. So I emailed him back and said that I was interested in that internship and plan to apply. Okay. What I did not know, thankfully I went to a small college where the professors really do build relationships. I told him that I was planning to apply. I did not know that he then emailed them on my behalf and sent a recommendation letter that they should hire me before I even went in for the interview. So nice. So you had a, you already had a foot in the door. I love that. Yes. I applied, I interviewed, and I beat out 24 other applicants for the, oh, for the internship. One, wonderful. And what was what was the internship? I was a prod, essentially in the project management and event okay. planning for a large corporate company. And they uh, did events for financial advisors and staff all across the country, nationwide oh. company. Okay. And, how, and so while you were doing that, how did you feel being in that position? And- oh, I loved it. Oh, you loved it. I loved it. Okay, so right away <laughs> I inside. Saying, I remember saying, uh, this makes it harder to go to school because I just want to work. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, then you kind of know you're on a probably pretty good path. Do you remember feeling afraid about it or nervous or? The natural nerves. Yeah, just normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's so, excited. Okay, so then from there, that so that was, was that your senior year or? It was my junior year. I was in that internship for a year and three months. Oh, wow. That was a long internship. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now you graduate college and you. Yeah. So where did you start applying or did you work for that? Is that where you worked for that company for four years? Or? Yes. So I finished the internship and then it was time to go full time. So I applied for a disability claims analyst role 
at the company and was able to get that role, which was fantastic for learning. I got to learn about tax returns and con- legal contracts and speaking with what they call insureds, those who are going on claim and interviewing mm-hmm. them and helping people through really tough times, asking really personal, intimate questions about the okay. finances and their medical. So it wasn't just filling out forms. You actually had interactions with human beings and you loved that part of it, it sounds like. Mm-hmm, I do. What I learned through that, I was in that role for a year and I it was a very, it was very informational, very great. It was a great learning opportunity. Okay. It was a great learning opportunity. I did realize, though, I didn't love the work. Ah, okay. So I was good at it. I didn't love it. And what it comes down to, I think, was it, there wasn't enough interaction. Okay. So from that, you learn, because again, I always remind listeners, you know, the, our path is not always straight line. So, but each, if you can, um, from each experience, learn. So you, lo- you, you thought you were, not thought, you were good at it, but inside it was like, no, this is not enough for me. Okay. So once you realize that, then what? Because first you have to realize it. So good for you that you realized it. Okay. Timelines integrate. Yes. Uh, I met the managing partner that I referenced in line at Starbucks. Right. Right before I got the email saying that I got the disability claims analyst position while still in my internship. Okay. It was, so we met in line at Starbucks. He told me he was a managing partner in California. And I said, oh, I'll be visiting California in the spring, seeing a friend of mine who is out there for a physical therapy clinical. Okay. And he said, we'll stop by the office. I think I will. About almost a year later, probably nine months later, I'm in California and I visited the office, followed through, emailed him. And we, I got to speak to different people in the office. He and I had lunch. We had a two hour lunch. And at the end of it, he said, I want you to come work for me. Wow. And this is when I am a few months into probably six, seven months into my role as a disability, as, analyst. As the disability thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that was not the intent of this meeting. <laughs> I just came to learn and I thought it was a neat opportunity. He said, I know I want you to come work for me. Wow. That's when I said, no, thank you. I don't belong in California. I'm a Midwestern girl. Yeah. Uh, so I, it took some convincing. He said, OK, well, let's keep the conversation open. Oh, so you've but, originally said no. And I originally said no. Wow. OK. Phone calls. And a month and a half later, I said yes to. So you took the, you took the risk to go there. And what was the, I'm just what was the job that he was offering? Director of in, uh, director of training and development. OK, you might have said that already. OK, so. And so is that where you were? What was, what exact is what was your job then? Like, what did what did you have to, to train and develop the financial advisors in their first five years of building a financial advising practice? OK, in their firm. All right. And so did you have to know a lot about finances or did you feel you knew enough or did they train? I didn't have to know that much about finance because I was able to utilize experts. It was still a lot of project management application, getting the right people in the room, coordinating the trainings. And so I was able to pull in the subject matter experts, but I had to be the lead in coordinating all that and then teaching them how to build the business aspects, analyze the numbers and a lot of the sales skills. Okay. Do you feel like just inherently you're like a good organizer, developer, like that's kind of one of your strengths and your, how you process life? 
uh, <laughs> I learned that it was an adaptive skill that I have, not oh, okay. natural preference. Okay. I can't so, do it at it. I don't naturally prefer it. Okay. So you did that for four years. And do you remember thinking, again, another thing I'm good at, but I'm not preferring it? I loved that role. Oh, I really did. I oh, you loved I it. I did. Okay. What I discovered through it was limiting beliefs coaching due to exposure in a limiting beliefs workshop. And that was when it was, okay, I love all that I do, but this, this is the good stuff. This is what I want to do all the time. The the part where you help people not have limited beliefs, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're talking. All right. Because <laughs> I too feel like don't limit yourself. No matter what where you are in your life, how old you are, it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm still I I always say on here, I don't know what I mean, I, I'm you know, in my seven early seventies, but like I don't know, there might be something else coming. I I'm not planning on it, but you know, I, I'm open, like I don't know. So I just think you just don't know. I mean, to me, if you're doing things that you love on a regular basis and then something else comes along that's even more like, oh, that feels even, then you just keep yourself open to it if you have the, you know, energy and bandwidth and whatnot. So you you found this part about, I want to really work with people to help them not have limited beliefs. Is this what I'm hearing? Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So meanwhile, you have this, love this guy or he loves you. What's that? The manager. I mean, I'm not talking love, like romantic love, like the guy that hired you, though. Sure. Yeah. So I had a great relationship with all the people that I worked with. And it was we went through the limiting beliefs workshop together. Okay. And then we were the executive leadership team was trained in limiting beliefs coaching. That's when it became very apparent that I had a strong passion and skill set for limiting beliefs coaching. Okay. Thankfully, they were so supportive that I, what, well, a little backstory here. One of my professional goals after my, within my internship, I get, got this professional goal to become a manager by the age of 30, run, manage a team and help them develop and even surpass. You know, I didn't have these. This things. was your goal or someone gave it to you? This is my goal. Oh, an internal goal. Okay. An internal goal. Yes. To become a manager by the age of 30 and develop a team, staff, and help them to develop and grow. So within the time that I was at the firm, they did give me a team to manage. And so I was managing a team of five or six running what they called the financial planning department, as well as coaching and training financial advisors and running the training coordination. Okay. And I remember three months in after they gave me this team to officially be the supervisor and manager of, I said, you know how you made, you asked me if I wanted to manage and I told you that I had this professional goal of being a manager by the age of 30 and you made it happen? My supervisor said, yes. I said, yeah, I don't like it. Can you tell it back? <laughs> I love, I love, first of all, I love that you could say I had this goal and then I got the goal and then you know what? It turns out it's not my goal. That's hysterical. I love it. And and did she, what happened? Yeah, look what happened. So he said, okay. And thankfully, shortly after that or amidst that time frame was the Limiting Beliefs Workshop, the discovery of Limiting Beliefs Coaching, my passion and skill set for that becoming apparent. So they reallocated the management of that team after okay. months, reallocated the management of that team to someone else and let my role be purely training and coaching uh, and developing, running the training programs, because that's what I was 
great at, what I loved and what I clearly had what? a lot of passion and skill. For. Okay. So at that point, you're like, this is it. This is what I love to do. This is, I feel like this is, I mean, not to be dramatic, but I, this could be my life's purpose. And I just, but mostly I just know that I love doing it. And even though I had these other goals and maybe I was a little nervous about moving to California, whatever, I just kept listening to, really what I'm hearing is I just kept listening to my intuition and following it. So you realize I love doing this, but somewhere in here you thought, I just don't want to stay in California. Like how did that, how'd you get back to Midwest, Wisconsin? When I did say yes to moving out to California after those multiple phone calls after right. saying no and finally said oh, he yes. chased you he said <laughs> he courted you professionally yeah I love it I, I finally said okay I'm saying yes I'm taking the position but I'm only coming for three to five years oh you would set that up ahead of time okay and then all of the the signs were showing up as the the four-year mark was approaching happening. you know approaching after that three-year mark the, yeah. the four-year mark was in my mind and things just started to seem aligned. It was one of those seemingly insignificant, yet so many different contracts, my lease included, but so many different contracts that I had, uh, maybe my kick, kickboxing membership mm-hmm. and a few other contracts, all of them ended right at that time. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? I think that's a sign. I think it just feels like closure is ready for me. Mm-hmm. So I remember telling my roommate, hey, I'm going to be moving at that date. Yeah. I told her months in advance that she could be ready and decide what she wanted to do based on that. And I told the office that I wanted to start my own coaching practice. Mm. And they were very supportive. Wonderful. That was fantastic. And I was able to uh, work on bringing clients on on the side while also working internally at the firm. Okay. We had a great amicable parting of ways. It was Again, aligned timing worked out wonderfully. And well, you listen to the signs. I mean, mm-hmm. some sometimes people are thinking, well, what's the deepest sign? It could be, well, my lease is up and my kickboxing is up, and I'm I think I'm sort of ready. And okay, then it doesn't have to be, it could be a lightning bolt kind of moment, but it also could be just exactly what you're saying. Like, it's time and this and these are other things that are are working in my favor. So so you started your coaching practice practice business in California. And your goal was to coach people to, and your or goal maybe still is, I, yeah, to, um, what's the coaching about? Yes. So breaking through limiting beliefs and your okay. limitations that you set upon yourself was the initial inspiration and driver. Okay. I went, I started my coaching practice. Well, really I started it on the side in 2017. I went okay. full time with my coaching practice March 1st, 2019. Okay. Right before COVID, a year before COVID, yeah. Uh, it was June, I believe, May or June, that I went to this summit or conference. And one of the coaches there recommended a book called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Okay. I was listening to the audio book on my drive back from San Diego to Orange County. And there was some line in there that created inspiration for me. And I remember pulling into a parking spot and going... That's it. Harness your hindrance. That's my coaching practice. That's what it's about. That's my philosophy. That's my belief. That's the core of it. And so I rebranded from Copac Coaching to Harness Your Hindrance. Harness your hindrance. I love it. So that when you have a hindrance, don't 
think that that's a bad thing. Let's see what that's about. I yeah. love it. So that's what you, so now, so when people come to you, is it, is it only about um, professional stuff or is it going to be about relationships? Like what's, what are you helping them harness their hind, like, get, get, like, look at that hindrance and let's take, let's see what we can do with that. Uh, I love your, you know, realization that it can be applied in so many different areas of Anything, life. Of course. <laughs> yes, certainly. And that mentality does get transferred to many other areas. No question. The focus of for my clients is they are building a business or pra- building up a practice. Okay. And they know that the only limit is the ones that they set upon themselves. Totally. And they are going to be the ones who limit their growth. So mm-hmm. they want, they have that external as well as internal driver to break mm-hmm. through those limits and those false ceilings. Okay. So when you think about that what limits that people first of all i'm just curious are any of your clients doctors no oh <laughs> i've I doctor friends i don't okay well i'm just curious the way you said that uh, they're building up a practice because you know, that that it could, it could be therapists it could be yes so i i really i primarily work with those in insurance uh finance and professional services okay so I certainly can apply to all those majority of my clients are in the the finance and insurance Okay. Well, that and then there's is your background. Others in the professional services areas okay. in medical and such. Okay. Uh, so first of all, let me just ask you this before I ask you the, the thing about limits. Are you feeling like you're still loving it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so <laughs> there, there's no inner gut that's saying anything other than I, this is like, great. I'm so happy I'm doing this. And that you harnessed your own hindrance or maybe there wasn't even a hindrance, but you just listened to yourself. There Frankly, wasn't a hindrance when it comes to okay. what I do. Someone actually asked me, uh, they said, oh, starting your own business, that must have been so scary and going out on your own. And people yeah. assumed there were all these fears. And my honest response is, it didn't almost, it almost didn't feel like a choice. Mm-hmm. It was just once I had that clarity of this is what I meant to do. Right. It was a pull that I couldn't even right. resist if I wanted to. It, ex- I love that because that is the truth. It doesn't mean that it wasn't, it doesn't mean that when you have that pull and you have that voice, which I've had many times in my life, that it's not a little scary or a little hard. But more what you're saying is, even if it is, there isn't really a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, when our soul or our voice, whatever you want to call it, is saying, this is this is my, your path. Hey, buddy, you get on the path. <laughs> you, you, if you ignore it, you're going to have a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension. So you, so you have to pay attention to it. To, well, you don't have to. You'll you, Then you'll have the other. You, you'll get... Here's the thing in my experience, if you don't listen, other things will just keep happening until finally you go, okay, okay, I get it. I have to go do this. Um, and you and you can have, it's okay to have some uncomfortable feelings, but you do it anyways. It's kind of, so just give me, before we kind of wrap up here, an example of what you have noticed that you think, like one big thing that you think limits people to do what their calling is. If I were to oversimplify it, it's fear. If I were to go a level deeper, it's fear of the unknown. Right. Okay. So, and do you have like one little, I don't know what you call it, like a little trick suggestion? Like if someone is feeling like, um, you know, besides calling you, of course they can call you and 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 work with you, of course. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm really scared of the unknown. How do I get over that fear? First is to acknowledge that we all have fear of the unknown. Yeah. It's not something that you're going to eliminate. Correct. As far as it coming up, it's it's going to come up. We all have fear of the unknown. It's how our minds work. It's not about preventing that. 
it's about accepting that that's going to be there. And then what do you do when it shows up or is there perhaps even in the background? So have you ever read Pema Chodron's book, Living with Uncertainty? No. I don't know if you know who she is. So Pema Chodron, I've mentioned her before on the show. Um, She's a North American Buddhist monk who I think she was the first... um, I think she and I, she might be. I don't remember if she was from. She was either from Santa Fe or somewhere somewhere in the America. And I think when she was forty, she said, you know, and married with kids, whatever. And I, I don't I can't remember if she had divorced, but whatever. I should. There's just more. And she took herself to I think India and decided to become a Buddhist monk. And she's probably. I'm guessing she must be around in her eighties now. She's written a million books, but but what I love about her is she writes like because she's from America. And what she just writes, you could just, I feel I could talk to her and have lunch with her. She's just the most down to earth person. I've watched a bunch of her videos. I have all of her books, but she basically talks in a very spiritual way about just what you're saying. We all have uncertainty. We all have the unknown or we all have suffering in our life. And she uses the word suffering, not like I'm dead. I mean, not that God forbid people are dying, but we all suffering more as things are uncomfortable. And so that doesn't mean we don't, we don't acknowledge that with love and compassion and 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 accept it without like debilitating us to not do what we're supposed to be doing. So I love that that you're saying the first thing is that you accept that that's part of being human. Right. Everybody feels this way. You're not alone. We're all afraid of the I'm afraid of the unknown. I don't know what's happening. I mean, I feel like I know how today's going to go, but do I know 100 percent? Sure. I don't know. I think I do. But do any of us really know? No. So that's one of the I feel that's one of the developmental tasks of being human. It's like for those of us that had children, like I have a client who um, had her first kid a while back and, and, and literally said to me, well, how do you not worry? I go, what do you mean? It's part of being a mom. And now I have grandchildren and I went, darn, now I got to worry about them too. Now, not in an obsessive way, but when you love deeply, it's part of the human condition. You want everyone to be well and happy and healthy, but there's no guarantees in anything. So that's kind of what you're saying. So that when people come to you and they say, I'm afraid of the unknown, you kind of help them say, hey, look, and you give them support. And then I'm sure you have some other tricks in your bag of how to get them past it. I'll, I'll tell you the, the the next piece. Yes, let's so hear. First is, yes, accepting the unknown, embracing that fear is there and not letting the Franklin D. Roosevelt quote of the only thing to fear is fear itself. Yeah. Letting the fear of fear uh, cause cripple you. And then second is to give your mind some peace by making some of the unknown unknown known through okay. your mind's imagination. Ah, okay. So your mind is a powerful machine for saying, oh. well, this could happen. And instead of it being on autopilot and going into the negative and catastrophizing, yes, it's putting it into the positive and saying, well, this is a possibility. This could happen because your mind's already going there. It's already saying that this could happen and that can happen and I don't know. So putting some positives out there intentionally, it then also allows you to shift to, I could pursue that. I could influ- influence that in happening. I could increase the chances of this leading to something positive. And then Love it. third is addressing, not necessarily in this order, it depends, but you, third is addressing those fears of the unknown. What are you actually afraid might happen? What is the worst that could happen? Right. Calling it out and taking the power away from it because then your mind can problem solve for if, God forbid, those things were to happen, then what would you do? Right. You can realize that, you know, you you will be okay. You can make it through. And when you do that, your mind also goes, 
it's also very unlikely to happen. Right. That's the bottom line. That That's one of the number one things they treat, uh, teach you in when you're working with people with anxiety. It's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, well, let's say that happened. I, I think you'll be okay. Um, so y- you'll be fine. I love that about turning the, whatever the fear of, you know, like, and turning into possibilities. So one of the things, so I have, a, I wrote two books. And so I used to put the book um, on a, uh, it's like a kind of like a vision board kind of thing, but I would put the title of my book next to, this is back 30 years ago when Barnes and Noble and Borders had advertisements. I'd rip out a thing in the newspaper and it would say speaker Janice Alpert about her book, which I was called, I always start my diet on Monday because I worked with eating issues and I still have the several copies of the books in my basement, um, probably about 200. Anyways, uh, not that I'm selling them, but whatever, they're, they're there. Um, and I would see myself speaking at Barnes and Noble, Borders, whatever, and say, this book is going to be out there and I'm going to do it. Before it, I, it, it, everybody was rejecting me and whatever. And I went, but this could happen. And then guess what? It did happen. I mean, I did a lot of work with it. So, um, but when I first started doing that, I'm going, you're like in dreamland that, you know, whatever. But I think that's part of using, you know, you're saying the mind, I, I love about the imagination. Because that to me is creativity and then we're in touch with our soul and that gets us back to really following our purpose. So wonderful. You're so wise. You, I'm so happy you're doing what you love doing. Um, say your business again, harness your... Harness your hindrance. Harness your hindrance. Okay. That and performance coaching. Uh, and I love the three little tips you gave is about the unknown. I think that's great. So thank you. Thank you so, so, so much. I always end um, each... Um, episode with a little quote. So here's the one that I came up with today that I think fits, which I love, which they everyone knows I love when that happens. Okay. Um, to begin to think with purpose is to enter the ranks of those strong ones who recognize when they're scared as one of the pathways to attainment. Af- afraid is what the word used by, I can't read the person's name, but basically saying what you're saying. That it's not like we're not going to be afraid of time of the unknown or whatever, but we go ahead and we think that this is our purpose. So let's do it anyways. Yes. To the best of our ability. And if we need help, then we go for help too. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Ariel, for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Janice. It's okay, good. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. So this is Janice Alpert. Thank you for listening to On Purpose. I'm hoping that you're having... Um, time with yourself and getting in touch with what your purpose is and maybe even doing it on purpose. So until next time, um, bye-bye from Janice Alford. Take good care.